Welcome back to another episode of the Sex Mancers Podcast. I tell you what, I am tired. I mean, I'm coming on here and I'm trying everything that I can to muster up all the energy that is possible. And yet, you know, I feel like I don't really have a whole lot of energies. And so I'm not really sure how well this show is going to go, whether I'm going to be able to provide to you the entertainment, the quality, and what it is you've come to expect and know from the show. And it all relates to my three-year-old. Right. Now, here in a few days, he's going to be four years old. Okay. And yet he, I, I, I just don't know what the issue is with him. His timing, he's almost like he has a sixth sense. And so for this show, because of its content and because we're homeschooling the kids and they're home all the time is that I either have to record this show very early in the morning or very late at night. And it doesn't seem to matter what I pick, because whatever I pick, that's the time he decides he wants to wake up. Right? So, for instance, if I get up really early and I start hitting this show or trying to record an episode of the show, he wakes up early. And then I got to you know, do a lot of you know, start and stops. You know, and so the show kind of feels a little wonky, at least to me it does. Or if I decide, okay, I'm just going to do this late at night. Well, then he decides he's never tired and he won't go to sleep and I don't know what to do. And then, of course, if there is a time when he does go to sleep, he comes into our bedroom in the middle of every night and crawls in to snuggle with mommy and daddy. Now, we thought knowing going through this, that it was because he was falling out of bed, you know, based off of how he is when he sleeps in our bed, rolling around, kicking us, and very active. We thought, okay, we'll get a bed rail. That'll keep him from falling out of bed, and therefore he won't come into our bedroom at night and crawl into bed with us. And, well, he does. You know, he still does. And, yes, this actually does relate to the topic of this show, at least the first topic of this show. So I'm just kind of setting up for you, you know, what is going on with our youngest child, because it goes in to relate to another subject here as far as his bad timing. And so he goes off, and of course, every moment that he's awake, he wants either mommy or daddy's attention, which from a productivity standpoint is not very good. You know, this whole working from home or being my own boss type of thing is not really working out too well because of the, you know, kids, you know, <laughs> you know, the, and when you're doing a business that requires you recording, whether it's audio or video and all that, and the kids are constantly stomping around all over the place, well, it, it, you end up taking, doing a lot of retakes, right? But in any event, you know, it, I, if I were to be still in a traditional nine to five job, if I was still doing that, well, I would be dragging every day tired because of our, my youngest child, you know, always just stays up late, gets up early, crawls into bed with us in the middle of the night and starts kicking us. And this is not just interfering with productivity and our self-employment business, but it's also interfering with our sex life. Yes, that's right. You know, so this is where it starts relating to the show. It starts interfering with our intimacy because there will be nights when 
you know, we're in the mood. We want to, or, you know, it's a night that it's on our calendar, you know, because we do schedule it. And that will be a night when all of a sudden he's full of energy. He is just wide awake, bouncing around, will not go to sleep. And he'll do this like multiple nights in a row until maybe we get to a point where a night that we can't because of something going on. And then that's the night he decides, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed early. Right? Now, there is other instances in which this is, you know, interfering with our lives. And that is intimacy after sex. Right? And that's what I want to get to in the first part of this episode is intimacy after sex. So we know that when it comes to intimacy, intimacy goes into the lead up to having sex and, you know, and as part of our sex life. And we know that during sex itself, it tends to be very intimate and very passionate. At least if you still have a lot of love for each other and all that. You know, if it's getting around to the point where it feels like a chore, you're never in the mood, maybe you have some issues with your libido because of whatever's going on, stress, hormone imbalance, you know, a medical condition, whatever the case may be, you know, it it can, you know, feel like a chore in that particular instance. But I'm just talking about in normal situations, right? Normal situations. And so we talk a lot about intimacy leading up to sex, and we talk about intimacy during sex, but what about intimacy after sex? Because after sex, it seems to be like, okay, the intimacy goes away. You know, you, you know, have the endorphins going and, you know, business was done. You had your finale. So what do you do after that? A lot of people either then just, you know, go roll over and go, you know, good night, sweet dreams, and then go to sleep. Right, that there is no after intimacy, or maybe they, you know, get up and if they're a smoker, they go out and have a smoke and then go to sleep. Or maybe, depending on the time of day, you know, maybe if it's uh, in the mid afternoon, what do you do? You just kind of, you know, clean up, get dressed, and then you go back to your regular daily routine as if it didn't happen, although in a slightly better mood. But what about intimacy after sex? Now, This gets to be a little complicated for several reasons because, you know, you do have that cleanup. I mean, there was an exchange of bodily fluids. And even if you're not in the married stage and you're still using something like a condom, there's still a cleanup. You know, you you can't just, you know, take it off and let it drop to the floor because, you know, if you have carpets, that's going to cause stains. You know, maybe if you have hardwood floors, you can let that happen for a little bit. But you're not going to be able to just kind of sit there and cuddle like they do in the movies. Because the movies are very unrealistic, aren't they? Because they didn't actually have sex, so there's nothing to clean up. There was no exchange of bodily fluids. Maybe some of you, you know, use like a sex towel. You know, something for her to lay on afterwards for everything to drain out onto. You know, whether she's sitting up, laying down, or whatever. But they're still clean up, and then they're still, you know, having to make the bed afterwards. So you can't just lay there for hours on end afterwards and just snuggle and cuddle, because at that point, things start getting pretty disgusting if there isn't any cleanup. 
and women, you know, uh, do need to, you know, kind of flush things out a little bit afterwards. So what do you do with that? And then after you get done with the cleanup, do you still feel like being intimate or has the mood just completely passed altogether? And so you got to think about this in some, you know, sense. But to bring this to the first part of the show, what do you do about after sex intimacy when you have a child that, you know, could come in at any moment? You know, because there is no standard time of the night in which he comes in. And so there are sometimes, you know, he wants to keep us up late. Then he starts falling asleep. Then we get into, you know, our, you know, warm up or a little bit of a foreplay, a little, you know, getting into some romance and intimacy play. And then we go to the bedroom and then we start getting into some foreplay. And, and while we're doing that, knowing that, you know, this child could wake up at any moment of any night, you know, every little noise becomes a, a distraction and that kind of interferes with us. And then, you know, we get through the foreplay and we get to the main event, right? We get to the main event and then we go through all of that. We have our finale and then we kind of want to, you know, be next to each other, just kind of cuddle for a little bit. But we know that if this child wakes up, he's going to come straight for our room to come sleep with us. So we can't spend any time afterwards you know, just cuddling and being intimate, we got to do the cleanup pretty much right away. Because if that kid comes in, you know, explaining to him, wait, 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 we need to clean up. I mean, yeah, we locked the doors and we tried locking the doors and he'll just bang on it. So, you know, the cleanup has to happen right away. And so you have to start taking a look at what you can do for intimacy afterwards in these situations, especially you know, at times when the only time you can get away with it because the kids are home, whether you homeschool or remote learning, right? Nowadays, a lot of uh, parents are finding out that the only time they do have for just each other is at night, but they got to get up for work the next day, right? And so, you know, it's late at night, you're already having low energy, and then you got to... Re- then you're thinking about intimacy afterwards? Who has time for all of that? Now, what intimacy looks like may depend on the time of day. If you're in a situation where you don't have kids and you go in the mid-afternoon, well, what does after-sex intimacy look like then? Just snuggling? Going uh, to the kitchen and playing cards at the table? I mean, what? what? What is it that, you know, this is looking like for you? Well, If you don't have kids, the after-sex intimacy is very easy. You don't have to, you know, go right away to clean up. You know, you could probably spend, you know, the 5, 10, 15 minutes afterwards, you know, just laying in bed, kind of snuggling, cuddling, maybe being playful, you know, if this is the middle of the day. You know, if you have that luxury. Or if you're in a place where your kids still go to school and, you know, you have a job in which you get, in which both of you get one day a week off and you're both home on the same day. Okay. Yeah. You can do that. But what about at night? 
What about at night, afterwards? You know, you're already tired. You know you have to get up early. What do you do? Well, you can't sleep naked, (laughs) you know, so you're going to have to get into, you know, your pajamas, you know, your sleep pants or whatever, because, you know, kids can come barging in at any moment. They have no concept of privacy whatsoever or what may be going on in their parents' bedroom. So you got to get dressed. So I would still say that, you know, after sex, you know, spend at least five minutes, you know, doing what you find intimate, you know, cuddling, holding each other, you know, uh, having your naked bodies just pressed up against each other while, you know, things are settling down, draining out, you're letting the endorphins set in. And then after that five minutes or maybe 10 minutes, depending on the time of night, just spend some time afterwards, you know, for intimacy, you know, complete that because there's a lot of people out there, you know, they're, they're just, you know, wham, bam, done. And the moment they're done, then that's it. All intimacy stops. And this creates a sense of lack, you know, like something is lacking in the relationship. Something is lacking in the intimacy and you don't know what it is. Well, it's because you're not being intimate afterwards. You're not being intentional with each other afterwards. You know, play footsies. You know, that could be a form of intimacy after sex. Now, I know there's probably the women in the audience right now going, Amen! Thank you! This is what I want. This is what I've been trying to explain. Intimacy after sex doesn't come natural to guys. Okay? I mean, we understand the intimacy leading up to it. We understand intimacy during it. But afterwards? Afterwards, you know, we just feel drained. We're ready to just roll over at night and just go to sleep afterwards. You know? (laughs) That's just how we are naturally. You know, how much it just drains us. You know, and how much it just relaxes us and just feels good. And, you know, we could just pass out right then and there. And for a lot of you women, you're probably, I guess, the same way. You know, after you have an orgasm, what's going to happen? You're very relaxed. You're very calmed down. That took out a lot of energy out of you. You could probably just roll over and go to sleep too. But women, being, you know, more emotional creatures, create more of that intimacy and bonding. And the after sex intimacy is a great way to create additional bonding. And so, guys, Here's what I'm trying to say for the guys that listen to the show. And I take a look at the audience statistics as best as what's provided to me. And so I know the audience, you know, split and there's a lot of girls and a lot of guys who listen to the show. Okay. So we go through here, guys, you know, this is one of those rare times in which I am addressing specifically you in the audience because I'd be remiss if I ignored the fact that there are guys in this audience, even though the show is, you know, at least initially when it started, was promoted at uh, directly at giving advice to women. But guys, just take a few moments after sex, you know, five, ten minutes, and just, you know, cuddle or talk if that's what she wants to do. Talk. I know, I know this is really hard for us. It is. You know, but take that few moments because though that five minutes could save you a lot of stress and pain and, you know, a lot of arguments in the relationship. You know, you ever think, 
you know, about how even if you have a lot of intimacy, you know, prior to sex and during sex, you have a, you know, vibrant sex life and you still spend a lot of time together and yet it never seems to be enough. You know, she's always seeming like, you know, you don't show her enough intimacy. Now we can get into love languages later on in the show. Sure. But you still get that little bit of a harping that she just desires more from you. Well, this is probably the issue, you know, and she probably doesn't even know that this is why she feels the way she feels, why she feels like she's not getting enough intimacy from you. Because deep down, what she may be feeling is that, sure, you know, you're willing to show her intimacy when you want something. You're willing to show her intimacy when you're horny, but that's the only time she feels like you show her intimacy, even if you're showing her intimacy and love all the time. Because what she's getting is you're willing to pay all the attention in the world to her in order to get sex. But once you got what you wanted, even if she wants it too, of course, but once you got what you wanted, boom, you shut off. You know, the, the switch flips and all of a sudden, you know, she becomes chop liver to you. You know, you just go to ignore her immediately afterwards. And she's starting to feel, even subconsciously, maybe she's starting to feel, you know, like she was just kind of used, you know, kind of like having, you know, a one-night stand, although with the same person repeatedly. You know, she just feels like she was just a piece of meat. And so, you know, this could be completely subconscious to her, and she's not able to fully explain that to you when when she's going off and talking about, you know, she wants more. You know, she desires more emotionally. She may not even realize that that is the reason. So, you know, save yourself a lot of, you know, headache, a lot of, you know, nagging and, you know, the frustration of being nagged at. And just spend, you know, five, ten minutes afterwards. Don't just roll over and go to sleep. Don't just clean up, get dressed, and go back to the day as usual. But just spend five, ten minutes afterwards, you know, staying in bed, you know, being having your naked body pressed up against hers, holding her, you know, don't just, you know, honk her boobs. <laughs> you know, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about you know, just kind of cuddling and maybe, you know, still doing some kissing and light, you know, nibbling on her ears and neck. You know, I mean, this isn't going to turn her on again. Although, depending on your age and your sex drive, maybe it could, you know, who knows? But, you know, you just keep, continue to show her affection and reassure her that she is more than just sex to you. You know, that you're willing to be intimate and pay attention and all of that, even after and immediately after sex. You know, that greater intimacy, you know, really helps out in the relationship and taking away all that frustration and nagging. And also being intimate after, you know, sex in the relationship helps to reassure her more, you know, some uh, wives out there are very much concerned that, you know, their man might not be fully faithful to her, you know, is not being, 
you know, is maybe sneaking around behind her back. You know, and this is a way to reassure her. I mean, there's a lot of things that goes through people's mind when they feel insecure, and usually they feel insecure because they feel like, you know, their needs are being ignored and they're being taken for granted. Right? So this is, you know, just another way to show her how much you love her, that she's more than just, you know, a piece of ass, you know, that you go to from time to time. This is a great way to reinforce, you know, your emotional bonds. You know, you know, we always talk about the lead up to sex, you know, what we do during sex, but what we do immediately following sex is just as important. Okay, you got that? You understand that? Good. Now, what intimacy looks like after sex is very much dependent upon your relationship. No two couples are the same, just like no two people are the same. You know, some people, intimacy is cuddling. Some uh, people, intimacy is just playing around, you know, the footsies, maybe some tickling, whatever the case may be. You know, maybe it's just, you know, getting up, you know, not just laying there in bed afterwards, but getting up and then, you know, while you go about your regular day, if this was a mid-afternoon thing, but, you know, maybe you still afterwards, you know, on that same day, still kind of playfully, you know, grope each other a little bit, grab, or just some something as simple as a hug and a kiss, right? You got to make sure that whether, you know, it's in the middle of the day, you know, that later on that day, you still show affection afterwards. Or if it's at night, you know, you have less time to do it, but you still show that affection. Right? Get it? Got it? Good. All right. Time to move on. Now, an issue that may be in some ways related to intimacy or after-sex intimacy that we talked about in the first segment of this show is the idea of soul ties. And what is soul ties? Well, soul ties is the idea of romanticizing past relationships. You kind of daydream about the what if. What would life be like today if you were still with a past partner? You know, the so-called one that got away. The one that you will go through and fantasize about, you know, when things in your own relationship is not fulfilling enough for you, right? And so the lack of intimacy, you know, whether that be, you know, before, during, or after sex, but even just after sex, the lack of intimacy in a relationship and the lack of feeling like the relationship is fulfilled gets you kind of daydreaming and fantasizing about your past lovers, especially the one that, you know, just kind of got away you know, and you weren't the one to break it off, they were, and, you know, you just kind of sometimes wonder about them. And nowadays, especially uh, with social media, you have the ability to somewhat cyber-stalk them. You know, maybe you go through, you know, guys might look up a past girlfriend and see if they have, you know, a married name, you know, if their last name has changed. Because a lot of girls, you know, on Facebook, when they get married, they kind of, you know, they use their married name, but then they put in parentheses what their maiden name was. 
you know, something like that or display what their maiden name was. And they, you know, of course you fill in the information, you know, where, where's your hometown? Where did you go to school? When, you know, when did you graduate? And a lot of people are searchable. And of course, Facebook does these recommendations. And so it's easy to kind of cyberstalk them, but it's even easier for women because men's name don't change. And so when you find yourself in a situation of lacking in your relationship, you start daydreaming and fantasizing about the one who got away. And maybe you start cyberstalking them. Well, this is a bad idea. You know, most affairs start with the idea of, or at least, you know, for women, you know, affairs start through emotional connections and kind of fantasizing and thinking about other men. For men, you know, affairs can, you know, occur for very many reasons. You know, the feeling of like there's a lack of, you know, uh, sexual fulfillment in the relationship, or maybe, you know, it's just very high stress, you know, job. And, you know, there's just this whole, you know, your ability to make good choices and judgment just kind of breaks down a little bit. You know, you just kind of get worn down, worn down, worn down. I mean, there is a lot of issues that go uh, into an affair. But, you know, going through and romanticizing about past relationships is damaging because your current relationship will never stack up to the fantasy. It never does. Your fantasy is about, well, what you dream about as the perfect relationship. The fantasy version of a past lover never really meets what the reality was at the time you were with them, you know, for the most part. And your fantasy husband, even if you fantasize about the guy that you are currently with, fantasy man never lives up to the reality man. You know, nobody's perfect and nobody can stay perfect all day, every day. Right. But you got to start remembering there was reasons why that person got away. And we'll talk about that later on. But one of the things I want you to remember is there's a reason why that past relationship ended. No matter how much you go through and try to fantasize about it. You know, obviously, you know, it wasn't a perfect relationship. If it was, it wouldn't have ended. You would still be with that person. You know, there was an issue with that person. Maybe there was an issue with you. You just weren't compatible, you know, personality-wise, or maybe you weren't compatible sexually. Whatever it is, something caused that relationship to end, which is why you are in the relationship that you are in right now. But you still kind of feel kind of connected to that person for one reason or another. And I think it's less about the person that you are fantasizing about and less about them being the one that got away, your one true love, and that you are just settling you know, for second place right now. It, it is less about that and more about you know, the insecurities of your current relationship or the lack of feeling emotionally or sexually fulfilled in your current relationship. There is just something that is going on. But when these problems arise, we always go towards that other person you know, the, of our past that we were, you know, so emotionally connected to that we still feel something for them today. It may be a dim glimmer of what it used to be, but you still feel something for that person. And 
that kind of, you know, is unfair to your current partner. And, you know, I get that we all kind of fantasize about somebody here and there. Maybe it's a celebrity. Maybe it's the, if, you know, your partner gave you a pass and you could have anybody in the world that you wanted to, you know, maybe it's like you had a genie and had a wish. Who would it be? And everybody could probably come up with that one particular name. But you got to remember that that is really unfair because when you are fantasizing about somebody else, whether it be uh, the uh, woman in the relationship or whether it be the man in the relationship, it is unfair because what fantasizing about another person is, what, you know, feeling like you have a soul tie to another person, you know, fantasizing about a past relationship, you know, it means that you are still holding back from your current spouse. You know, you're holding back from your husband. You are holding back from your wife. You're holding back something, a piece of you that you are holding in reserve. And if you want your relationship to last, if you want to have a fully committed, fulfilling relationship, you can't hold anything back. You can't have anything in your heart for a past lover. Just like you can't have anything for in your heart for someone that you currently know today that you, you know, if you continued, you might end up having an affair with. I mean, it's just unfair. Right? And this isn't the same thing as having a place in your heart for your parents, okay? I mean, it's just not the same because it's not the same kind of love. And it's not, you know, the same as you know, holding a place in your heart for your kids. I mean, that that itself, it, that is natural. It's not the same type of love. It's not a romantic love. It's familiar love. But holding in your heart some type of romantic love or sexual desire for another person and then going through and fantasizing about them and doing this what-if scenario. What if I was with them right now? What would my life be like? You know, of course, you know, just like, you know, when women go out there and they pick a girl out from a crowd and go, is she prettier than I am? You know, of course, the guys, you know, the only right answer in case any guys are listening and wondering about that is what girl? But, you know, women, you already know the answer to that. The answer is yes, because you picked her out. You know, you picked someone more beautiful than you because you were fishing for a compliment, okay? But, you know, when we go through these what-if scenarios, we always want to go through and take a look at the best possible situation, you know, where, you know, we win the lottery, we have this big, beautiful house on beachfront property in some tropical paradise, and everything is great, right? But you're never going to have a relationship that lives up to your fantasy, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So it's unfair. And, you know, it's, you know, really, you know, you holding back from your partner. You're holding back a piece of yourself, a piece that you are safeguarding and not giving to them completely. You understand, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this because it's one of those intangible things. You know, it's not something that you can point out, you know, on a chart that, you know, this very item right here, item, 
you know, A12 sex, subsection, you know, B. I mean, it, it's not like you can really point it out. It's one of those intangible, one of those things that you just have to know. You know, it, it's, it's like trying to put into a physical concept a feeling, right? So you're holding back a piece of yourself. And how can you have a fully satisfying relationship that fulfills your emotional, physical, and intimacy needs, right? How is it going to fulfill all of that if you are not giving of all yourself? If you want a relationship to last, you got to take that risk of giving yourself wholeheartedly everything, mind, body, and soul to that person. If you're not, you're just inviting problems into the relationship. So if you find yourself in this situation where you are doing this what if and fantasizing about the one who got away, one of the things that you need to take a look at is why did that relationship end? Why did it end? Because by definition, if it ended, it's substandard to your current relationship as far as how your current relationship is now. It means that one of you wasn't the match for the other. You know, so if you're the one that broke it off and maybe you broke it off because of your career, you know, you had a great career opportunity and you had to move in order to fulfill it and they were unwilling to move. Well, that means they were not as committed to you. That means they were holding back from you. So they did not find you to be their ideal mate. And therefore, the relationship would not be as good as your what if scenario. If, you know, if you were the one who was dumped in that, well, then the person, again, they found you to be substandard to what they desire in a mate, which means they would not be as willing to go through to fulfill your emotional needs, your physical needs. You were incompatible in one way. Whether it was that person being stubborn, unwilling to change and provide for your needs, or whether it was you being stubborn and selfish and unwilling to provide for their needs. Either way, the relationship was doomed. And the result was you're no longer with them, right? So there was something about it that was substandard, and therefore your daydreams are just completely inaccurate. So why is it that you're holding on to the fantasy of a failed relationship, a fantasy version of, you know, a substandard relationship. Think about that. You know, because if you are doing that, it's only because there is something that you are feeling is lacking in your current relationship. And instead of going through and trying to fantasize about the what ifs and all of that, what you should do if you want a great relationship is figure out what it is that you feel is lacking in your current relationship and then talk about it, right? That is what you should do. You know, communication is the best way to solve 99.99999% of the problems in your relationship. So if you find yourself in this particular situation, I have some recommendations for you on how to stop that, and then how to go about building up your current relationship to be a closer match to your fantasy version of a relationship.
So now that we've gone through and we've talked about what a soul tie is, why it's damaging to the relationship, now we start talking about what we do if we find ourselves engaging in this toxic behavior. Okay. Now, one of the things that you need to realize about all of your past relationships, every person that you were with previously before you got with your current partner, your spouse, is that all those relationships had one thing in common. All those failed relationships have one thing in common, and that is you. You're the common denominator in all the failed relationships that you had before you met your current spouse, your you know, your husband, your wife, you know, your fiance, right? Is the problem was, or the common denominator, I should say, was you. Which means if they didn't work out, there was only three possibilities why they didn't work out. The first possibility is you suck at picking good people or you are a bad judge of character, right? That is one possibility. The second possibility is that you suck at picking people who are compatible with you, either based off of personality or sexually compatible. You know, you're just bad at picking that person. Maybe they had a great personality, but they sucked in bed. Therefore, it wasn't going to work out. Or maybe they were awesome and rocked your world in bed, but their personality was toxic or maybe not even toxic, but just annoying to you. You know, I mean, that's always a possibility. They they were just annoyed you. You know, you didn't really have anything in common. You know, no common or shared interest or whatever. And the third possibility is the problem is you, your personality, your expectations, how you treat your partner in a relationship. Maybe there's a reason why if you were always the one, you know, being dumped, in a relationship, you know, I know, I know, you know, the whole word being dumped, but whatever, you know, if you were the one who was always dumped in the relationship, then maybe the problem is you, you know, maybe you, you know, had a lot more maturing to do. Maybe you still do. You know, that's always a possibility. Maybe it's just the way you treat people when things are not going the way you want them to go in life. I mean, these are all possibilities that could be going on here. So you need to go through and start taking a look at that and start taking a look at, well, you know, maybe, you know, you need to change or maybe you need to reassess the situation. And if the problem with all the past relationships, if you have enough self-awareness to analyze and realize that maybe the problem was you, you know, maybe the problem isn't necessarily you know, your personality in general, or and it's not necessarily that you're a bad person, but maybe it's just how you react when things aren't going your way. You know, how you react to stress. You start pushing people away and maybe treating them like crap because, you know, you're venting and you don't know how to handle that in a healthy uh, way or a way that is, you know, healthy in the relationship. Maybe you don't know how to lean on your partner to be your rock when you need them in times of distress in your life. Or maybe it is that you are kind of a horrible person and you need to change. I mean, there are so many possibilities with that. And 
how you acted in, in uh, past relationships that pushed away the past relationships, the people that you still think about from time to time and, you know, in that soul tie type of way. Maybe it's not just the one that got away, but maybe it was the two or three of the ones who got away. You know, and now you're going off and, you know, you're kind of holding back because you're afraid of, you know, giving yourself wholeheartedly to someone because you're afraid you're going to get dumped again or someone's going to leave you. Or maybe, you know, even though you're married, you're afraid it's going to end in divorce and you're just trying to protect yourself. I mean, that's unhealthy, you know, way to go about life as well. So if the problem was you, right? There are things that you can do to change that. If it's because, you know, you're a bad judge of character, well, hopefully you would have figured that out before you got married, (laughs) you know, hopefully. And if you weren't compatible in some way, hopefully the relationship never got to the point where you got married. You know, because if you, if your motivation for getting married to someone was just because, you know, past experience said that, you didn't think you were going to do any better, and so you're settling. Settling is never a good idea for a marriage. You're just asking for a doomed marriage in that particular case. But if the problem is you, it's your behavior, how you treat people during you know bad times, during struggles, if that is the case, if that's why all your past relationships failed, then you can do things. You can you know, start learning or analyzing your past behavior and start taking a look at what you need to change. Do you lash out when you're highly stressed? Is that a, is that the issue? Well, if that is the issue, you can, you know, change that by, you know, just taking a deep breath, you know, taking extra special care to not take out your frustrations on your partner. You know, we all know the steps that we could take. Right. But how do we motivate ourselves to do that? Because human beings, we are creatures of habit, aren't we? I mean, we'll go through and get settled into a particular routine. We like things done a certain way. You know, uh, we got people out there that flip out if the laundry isn't folded, quote, correctly. Right. And then other people are out there going, ah, I just leave the laundry in the basket and all my shirts are wrinkled and, or I got something that just releases the wrinkles when I'm ready to wear that particular shirt. You know, I mean, there's all types of people that are out there, you know, but how do you go about, you know, changing your behaviors? Because if you never fold laundry in the past, it's going to be hard to get yourself into the habit of folding laundry. If you've always folded laundry, then, you know, trying to change your behavior to leaving the laundry in the basket will drive you absolutely nuts. You know, I mean, it's one of those interesting dualities of human nature. We crave routine. I mean, we instinctively go for routine, but we crave adventure and spontaneousness. I mean, it's that interesting duality. So when you find yourself in a situation that, yes, you ended up, you know, out your analysis showed that you were the problem, that when life gets tough, you lash out, or, you know, whatever it is, 
you know, you can go through and think about your spouse in a different way in order to motivate you to change your behaviors, right? So think about this, all right? So if you're going through and you have a soul tied to someone who isn't your spouse and you find yourself thinking about them because they're the one that got away, well, then start thinking about this. Well, what about your current spouse? What if they became the one who got away, right? That you're now in a situation where you're on the verge of losing your current spouse and they got away and that them getting away would ruin your relationship with anybody else, any chance at love and happiness in the future. You know, just kind of think about it in terms like that, right? That you're, you know, you're on the verge of a divorce if you don't change your behaviors. I mean, not that you're actually on the verge of divorce, but just kind of start thinking about this. This is kind of one of those mental exercises designed to trick you into uh, making changes in your behavior. So just start thinking, oh my God, you know, if I don't change, you know, you know, this aspect, if I don't change how I treat people when or treat my spouse when I'm really stressed out, if I don't change how I treat them uh, when you know, life isn't going my way or whatever the case is, you know, they're going to leave and they're going to be the one who gets away. And I'm going to regret that. Right. That's the first thing that you start doing. You think of that. You think of it like that. Then, you know, each day, as you imagine that while you're working on trying to change your behavior, you know, think about if they were to leave and be the one that got away, what and this is what you'll ask yourself. What did you wish you would have done differently? Right? Or if you take a look at a past relationship with the quote one who did get away, right? Think about what you wish you would have done differently in the relationship. Right? Take that answer and then apply it to your spouse. Apply doing that with your spouse. Now, of course, this is assuming that, you know, they're into the same thing. I mean, maybe, you know, if a past relationship, if the guy left because he really wanted to be pegged and he really enjoyed pegging and you weren't going to strap on something and start pegging him, you're not going to be able to apply that to your current husband, ladies, if they have no interest in pegging. But, I mean, you just kind of get the point here and the generalized picture You know, that if your spouse was to be the one to get away and you knew they were on the verge of getting away, right? Think about it as if they had already left and then think about what you wish you would have done differently and then implement those changes, right? This starts to get, you know, to the point where, yes, it's easier said than done, but you can still do it and you start doing it before it's too late, right? Or let's say, what if you were cheated on in the past and you were cheated on and the explanation had to be about, you know, they just didn't feel, you know, sexually fulfilled, right? Or they felt, you know, just overly stressed and they just made a bad call, you know, the or... You know, the classic, oh, I was really drunk. I didn't realize what I was doing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Forget the whole drunkness. That is not an actual excuse. 
Now, I mean, that's not the same as being raped if you pass out drunk or was drugged, okay? That's a different story. All right, but let's say you go off and, you know, you were cheated on in the past, all right? And now take a look at that in your current situation. What if, you know, you knew that, you know, that in that past relationship, that guy was going to cheat? What would you have done differently to have prevented him from cheating? You know, what would you have done differently in fulfilling their sexual needs or desires or fulfilling their emotional needs and desires, right? What would you have done differently? All right, think about that. If you had forewarning that, you know, this person was going to cheat unless you did a specific something, right? Something that you don't do now that they crave and desire. Well, now think about that in your current relationship. You know, if, you know, you, if it was, oh my God, you know, uh, if my behaviors do not change, you know, I, I'm going to lose this relationship. They're going to cheat and leave me for this other woman, you know, because I'm not doing X, you know, maybe, you know, it's because I'm not active in bed. I just lie there like dead wood, All right? Dead wood meaning you just lay down and just let him do things to you, but you don't actually, you know, reciprocate, you know, through action or verbally or whatever, you know, you just kind of, you're basically a living corpse in the bedroom. <laughs> you know, that's what dead wood uh, means when a guy calls a girl, you know, having sex with this girl is like dead wood. I, and yes, I can tell you from experience that probably just about every guy has come across that girl. But in any ways, let's say, you know, and let's say it wasn't just, you know, sexually, but rather, you know, there was something going on and, you know, maybe he wanted to try something. He has a passion, a dream, an entrepreneurial, you know, desire, you know, and you're not supporting that. And maybe this other person would. If you knew that they were going to cheat before they cheated and you had a chance to stop it by changing something or by doing something differently, what would that be? You know, think about that. You know, and you can take a, and you can draw on past examples, although past examples are not going to be perfectly relatable to your current examples or your current relationship. But if you could have done something to prevent that, what would it have been? Right? Then ask yourself, is that something that you could actually accept doing? You know, maybe, you know, the person just really had a desire for anal and anal was completely off limits to you. Would you have changed your mind? Would you have tried it? Would you have, you know, allowed it once? Or was that just, you know, okay, if that's what's required to keep this relationship, this relationship is dead. You know, but you just kind of go through these mental exercises. You know, if you had uh warning beforehand, that cheating was going to happen and you could do something to change that or to prevent that, what would it be? You know, what could you do differently, you know, uh, with yourself to have stopped that and then go through and apply that to your current relationship? You know, this is why we have failed relationships of the past. This is why we, you know, 
dated, you know, several people before we met the person we got married to. And that is, we wanted to get all the mistakes out of the way so that, you know, there was no mistakes left to make when we found the one, the actual one. And so the whole point of analyzing past relationships and taking a look at, you know, the ones that got away and then imagining what you could have done differently if you knew or had advanced knowledge that you were about to be dumped or that the relationship was about to end. The whole point of looking back at that is to analyze what the mistakes were and then analyze, are you repeating those mistakes in your current relationship? And if you are, what could you do? And what are you willing to do to stop the relationship from ending before the attempts to end it? Now, be careful as you do this, okay? Don't actually treat your spouse as if they've done something that they haven't done. Or don't treat your spouse as if they plan to do something that they haven't actually provided any indication that they're going to do. This is just mental exercises. This is just analyzing past mistakes. Because those who, I mean, let me put it to you this way. You know, if you're a history buff, right, you love history. One of the things that you come across when it comes to studying history is that one of the main reasons why we like to study history is because those who do not learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. And that's the best way to explain these mental exercises of, you know, if the relationship would have ended, you know, or is, uh, you know, or had ended, what did you wish you could have done differently? If you had forewarning that a partner was about to cheat before they actually cheated, what would you have done differently? This is you taking a look at past mistakes. What caused your previous relationships to fail? And then checking your current relationship for signs of repeating those mistakes. And then taking a look at what could you do differently right now to prevent, you know, what might happen later on if things in your relationship doesn't change. And you can't force your partner to be the one to take the initiative, to take that first step into changing. The person who recognizes that there is a problem, right? the person who knows what the problem is, first has the responsibility to try and make that first step. And that's a lot of the premise of the show is that if you're listening to this show, you're the one who is seeking out advice on how to improve the relationship. Therefore, you're the one who needs to go through and take that first step, take that first initiative to implementing the changes that are needed to get the relationship that you desire. And of course, as you go through these exercises, imagine for a moment that if your current relationship ended, you know, if you lost your current partner, your current spouse, you know, what and asking yourself, what would you have done differently? You know, think about it like this. If they were to leave, if the relationship was to end, 
Think about it in terms that you will, you know, never find anybody you love again. You know, you'll never fall in love again and you'll never have a happy relationship ever again. Right? Think about that. Or here is another exercise that you can do. Right? And maybe this one is, you know, a better way to go about it now that I think about it. You know, this is probably better than to think about, you know, if the person was gonna, you know, dump you, break off the relationship, divorce you, what do you wish you would have done differently? Or if you knew that they were going to cheat before they cheated, what would you have done differently? Maybe one of the best ways to go about this, you know, and trying to, you know, get over the soul ties or to get over, you know, problems in the relationship to motivate you to go through and take that first step to help you know, be the change agent in improving the relationship is think about what if your spouse died tomorrow? What if they did? I mean, what if they got into a car accident? You know, what if they, you know, got hit by a stray bullet and, you know, uh, you know, and gunfire, right? Between, you know, police and a criminal are between two rival gang members, depending on where at in the country that you live. You know, maybe, you know, random mechanical failure. Brakes went out in the vehicle and they went off a bridge and drowned in a lake. You know, what if they were to die the next day? You know, die tomorrow in a freak accident. What is it that you wish if you knew today was the last day you were ever going to see them alive. What is it that you would want to do? How is it that you want to, you know, ensure that they know how you feel about them? What would you do? If you think about it, especially when, you know, relationships aren't going the way you want them to go, you know, every relationship has its ebbs and flows, its ups and downs. You know, but if they were to die tomorrow, what would you have wished you had done today? And then do that. Now, I get it. You're not going to be able to do this every day and go, oh, I'm going to have sex with them. I'm going to make more love to them. You know, because, you know, maybe you can't handle sex every day. Maybe they can't. You know, but think about it in terms of both sexual and emotional. You know, both sexual and non-sexual things that you wish you would have done with your spouse, you know, if they had uh, died tomorrow, if they were going to die tomorrow, you know, just kind of think about it in terms like that. And when you put it in those terms and you go through these mental exercises, you know, that should motivate you to go through and, you know, try that, implement that, take a look at, you know, what you could do. And this will help you get over this soul tie that you may have to as you fantasize about the one who got away. And when you stop fantasizing about the one who got away, well, then you can start giving, you know, that last bit of yourself to your partner and take that last step needed to be able to really build the type of relationship that you, that you are wanting that will fulfill you completely as long as you hold something back from your spouse 
you know, or maybe it's your boyfriend that you are fantasizing about getting married to and having kids with. You know, maybe it's, you know, your fiance, you know, but just take that last step to release whatever it is you're holding back and give that final piece to your partner. And only then can you build that relationship you've always been looking for. And if you want some inspiration, go find a widow. Go find a widow. You know, I mean, there are widows all over the place, you know, and so you should be able to find one at your age. You know, so find a widow. Talk to them. You know, ask them what they wish they would have done differently. You know, or would they have done anything differently? I mean, maybe they already had what they considered to be the perfect marriage that fulfilled them, mind, body, and soul. You know, they were, you know, completely happy, completely content, blissful in their relationship. And then their spouse died in a freak accident. You know, but go through, talk to them. Talk to them about what it is that they missed the most, what they wish they would have done if they knew that was going to be their last day together. You know, if you need to go through and get inspiration, you know, seek out a widow. Now, don't be rude and be forceful. You know, try to kind of befriend them and then ask them for advice. You know, because widows will be able to put into perspective how much of the arguments that you may have in your relationship are based off of trivial things that just don't matter in the long run, that are just being blown out of proportion. Okay, all right. So I didn't have enough time to get into the love languages. And love languages are, you know, well, they're great. You know, in the sense that it helps you to better understand, you know, your spouse. And so you're not going to be doing a whole bunch of things that you think is showing love and affection, but they, you know, that's not their language. And so they don't see it as, you know, signs of love and affection. So we'll get into the whole love language uh, on the next episode. Okay. So for now. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Please leave me a rating and a review. Share this uh, with friends, family, or just on, you know, your social media profiles, whether they're, you know, public or private. You know, go ahead, share this so other people can enjoy the entertainment and get the advice and inspiration that they need to help better improve their relationship. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And I will be back again soon.